Welcome back to another episode of The Bench Mob ENT. You are looking at right here another one, episode 216. Now, before we get into it, just so you know what you're getting into, we're going to be talking about the Kyrie situation and what's going on with that and freedom of speech and that whole discussion. We're going to talk about what's else going on in the league. We're going to touch on some football. Of course, we got to talk about what happened in week nine, looking ahead to week 10. We're going to touch on some college sports, too, for y'all. I know y'all been asking about college. Men's basketball, women's basketball is back starting next week. We got to get into it. But before we start, Miles, smooth operator, Davenport, how you doing tonight? Doing better, yo. My my Knicks are a little shaky right now. I think it's time to start those fire, fire tips chants in the garden. <laughs> Tonight, tonight was a disgrace. Greg, the hot takes the Beijing mother sends me. How you living? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing good. The more important of my teams are doing well. The Giants are doing well. I, I, I could care less about um, what the Nets are doing right now. But we're gonna we're gonna fire that. Man. We're gonna hire that man, Eme. Eme gonna come turn things around. And he might he might uh, mess around with Kyrie's wife in the meantime too. So he's that too. <laughs> You might. <laughs> you might. You never know. He be, Kyrie be the one too to get caught in that crossfire, by the way. It'd be Kyrie. Hey, yo. I did not think he was going in that direction with that right there. Uh-uh. <laughs> Kyrie deserved that straight too. <laughs> yo, before we start, make sure you hit that subscribe button. <laughs> you like, share this with every and anybody. One of the greatest things about living in this country is the freedoms that we have. One of the freedoms that we have is freedom of speech. But typical stuff in America, our freedoms, we sometimes take advantage of it and go too far. Mm. Some people feel Kyrie's freedom of speech went too far. It was hate speech. It was on the long, long lines of what Kanye was doing, anti-Semitic. With his tweet, and the Nets and him came out saying that they're going to donate $500,000 towards um, basically stopping hate speech towards the Jewish community. I don't know how you exactly do that. Because, right. yeah. I mean, they give, they give, they give them $500,000. They're giving a million dollars to the JCC, basically. JCC Metro West, probably one of West Orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your takeaways from this whole Kyrie situation? And we can look at it in multiple ways, like his tweet, 
how he handled it with the media, with Nick Friedell and that whole conversation with the press conference. What was y'all takeaways from yet again, Kyrie being in the media for something not basketball related? Look, it's unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up with Kyrie Irving. You really can't. I, I saw the tweet come out in real time. And I remember thinking nothing of it. I just didn't care. Obviously, I don't, you know, he's usually tweeting about Hala or something like that. I don't, you know, I don't care what he's talking about nine times out of 10. But um, when I realized, when obviously it was made into a big deal on Twitter that night and I was texting you guys about it and I'm trying to figure out what's, what this movie or book is even about. And I'm, t- I'm talking to you, Tony. I'm like, yo, like, is this like, is this a movie? Like, is it available? We're talking about, well, it's, it's like $50 to rent, like 11, it's, it's something ridiculous. It's just three and a half hours to uh, long. I'm like, I'm thinking about, the first thing I thought to myself was, I don't even think Kyrie watched this thing. Three and a half hours? He gave three and a half hours of his time to this? I, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, uh, look, the, the indignation, him standing on his high horse in the, in the interview and all that stuff was to be expected. I knew the second that that game ended that night and he had the run with the press that he always has, um, that it wasn't going to go well. Um, and I knew that he wouldn't back off of his stance, even though I don't even think he knows what he's standing on. And that's the part that scares me the most. I, you know, he's talking about how he didn't promote anything and um, showing us that he has no idea what it means to have a Twitter account because anything you tweet is basically your promotion. Uh, period, right? No matter what you're talking about. So I don't understand that notion or that idea. Um, I just feel like Kyrie is the loud guy who's always wrong, who swears he's smart than everybody else, right? Even though he's not. Um, I feel like Kyrie is the guy who ran into somebody when he was in his 20s. And they, you know, every you, we all know somebody like this who's like that conspiracy theorist. You all, we all know the ones conspiracy theorists and they put their armor on Kyrie and Kyrie's kind of bit into it all the way. And now he's 30. So he has conviction in everything he says because he feels he's older and feels like, cause he has a beard, he's wiser. Um, it, it, it's a real problem. I mean, and taking it from the, like a more logistical standpoint and how serious it is. I mean, he plays in Brooklyn. There's a lot of Jewish people in Brooklyn. He grew up in West Orange, a lot of Jewish people in West Orange. In my personal opinion, I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that. I just don't think he watched this whole thing. I think that he, is a terrible communicator in public. Um, and he put himself in some really, really hot water because I think he he grasped onto maybe one thing that was based in fact in that film, whatever it may be. He may have taken one fact from that film and now he's just running with it, not realizing what, what else is in it. So when, you, when you're famous, you have a platform, people follow you, people idolize you and you put stuff out there that people can rally around, um, it makes you dangerous. It makes you really dangerous, right? So I, I it, it's crazy to me. I mean, it's not surprising. This whole thing's been a, I ain't gonna curse on the podcast, but this whole thing's just been a, the, an absolute disaster, right? <laughs> I'm looking for the word. Huh? Yeah. Yes, right, right, exactly. And it doesn't feel like there's any coach they'd hire that would make this right um, at all. And in my opinion, I, I, I'm, at, I'm at the point where I want, to either trade Kyrie, but I know the trading Kyrie is just so far letting left field now. It's not an option. I'm willing, I'm willing to waive him. I'm willing to waive him. I'm willing to get him a body here. Not because I'm I'm tired, because I don't care about how good look the basketball thing, he's playing good basketball up until last night, anyways. Well, I think this whole thing is weighing on him. I think last night was a reflection of this all this whole thing weighing on him now. Um, 
But why I'm at with it now is that it's doesn't it's not a net positive for the Nets. They're not they're not breaking even. We're not selling. They're not selling any more tickets. They're not winning. They're, they're not winning games. I, I'm not a fan of having them on the team. I, I'm not. Every time there's a distraction having them around. It's not. They're not fun to root for. There was a time where I truly was very passionate about rooting for the Nets because they were building something that I, I was proud of genuinely with D'Lo, Harris, all them, Jarrett, Joe Harris, um, and now there's no one worth rooting for on this team. There's no one you like on this team. I don't like Kevin Durant. I don't like Kyrie. These guys are all unlikable figures. Ben Simmons is to some degree is unlikable too. So I'm ready to blow the whole thing up at this point, honestly. I mean, we can dive more into the Kyrie thing and where we stand with Kyrie, right? Because there's more to unpack there. But big picture, I'm ready to blow this thing up, get Kyrie up out of here. It's not, he's not worth the trouble. He is literally not worth the trouble at this point. Uh, but before Miles go, I'm going to say this, that the Nets took a risk that any team in the NBA would take. I think we need to get that out. Yeah, I'm going to get out on front now. The Knicks <laughs> want to take that same risk. Before you come out and say anything, the Knicks want to take that same risk. They just didn't They didn't get the chance to because these guys didn't go there. Okay? But everyone wanted to take that, would have taken that same risk the Nets took, besides maybe the Warriors. But that's it. Everyone else would have taken that risk. So I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there, and we, we can take it from there. I mean, God had other plans for the Knicks, clearly, because he didn't want he didn't want this. You know, we've been through too much. This would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. So <laughs> I, I'm glad we didn't get Kyrie and KD. I've been saying it. I'm like, you guys are going to see this is a headache, not even from KD's perspective, but like the whole Kyrie. It just seems like there's something that happens everywhere he goes that, you know, it distracts from what we're all here for, and it's basketball. So with this whole thing that happened, it was unfortunate. Because like you said, I feel like he was a little misinformed and didn't really know what he was talking about when it came to the movie and posting the tweet. And and then the press conference happened. And I know I'm sure the, the PR team for the Nets <laughs> – God bless. They, got their, they updated their LinkedIn pages because it's, it's not worth the headache. They honestly. actually did, though. The Nets Net are currently hiring a coordinator for PR right now. It's on oh, LinkedIn. Really? Yeah, they're hiring one. I think whoever was there quit. <laughs> I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. It's got to be unlimited PTO, honestly. They'll find out. I thought about applying. <laughs> I thought about applying. No. With, with this Kyrie situation in the big picture, though, with in regards to the conversation of freedom of speech, what's your viewpoint on that? Because you know you got the Kanye situation, you got this situation. Yeah. Kyrie's not really, even with the whole five hundred thousand dollars today, has not really actually come out yet and say I apologize for this. He's doubled down in his beliefs. What are y'all takeaways on being able to still have the freedom of speech? There's people that don't always agree and have a viewpoint on, hey, this is that, and this is this, and the third, Black Lives Matter. Everybody has different conversations and freedom of speech. But it seems like when it comes to certain things said, Jewish community, LGBTQ community, we're not really allowed to have freedom of speech. Yeah. <laughs> This is it's, it's complicated. It's a landmine we're talking about here. Because, yeah, I mean, 
technically we do have freedom of speech, but when it's when it's dangerous, when it rallies a certain group of people, anti-Semitism right now is is running rampant throughout the world. It's not just a, a problem in the U.S. It's a problem all over the world, right? Um, right, and and there's a long history there, right? That the, that this film he promoted denies. It denies the amount of deaths in the Holocaust. It denies the Holocaust altogether. It's it's insane. The excerpts are, are crazy. So. When you have a following and you have a platform and you have a bunch of people that idolize you and people that will literally go to the ends of the earth to support you, like Kyrie does, because we, we, we sure love our athletes here in America, it, it's dangerous for you, to, for you to, even by mistake, which I think, I do think this was, um, I think this was a mistake. I truly believe that. Even by mistake, it, it's dangerous. Um, it's really dangerous to, to post something that has hateful speech in it. That, it, that has hateful and divisive language in it um, as well. So I, I don't think this is as much about his in, an infringement on freedom of speech as it is about him feeling to understand in his crazy, because he was born not too long ago, he's young, but feeling to under, and, and grew up in the social media area, but a feeling to understand the effects of social media and how things can go left, can go left when you promote the wrong thing. You hit send on the wrong message. We've seen this happen a million times. Okay. Um, as well, but I think the thing about Kyrie that makes this all so much crazier to me is that he he, he doubled down on it. Like in the interview, in the interview, in the press conference, he he's doubling down. He he's like, I didn't promote it. Um, he started out, I thought, on the right track. He said something along the lines of, you know, I respect all religions. You know, I respect where everyone comes from, um, and all that stuff. And then it just took a left turn, and he gets indignant. And he gets he acts like he didn't do anything wrong at all. And he said, I didn't promote this, and and he gets into a screaming match with Nick Ferdell, and it's like, yo, you are literally shooting yourself in the foot right now. Um, Myers Leonard's out of the NBA for saying a Jewish a slur on a video game on a streaming platform for, that he's out the league. Now I get now again, Kyrie's held to a different standard. He's a, he's a better basketball player, so that's why you have the donation to to the you know to the JCC. These guys just made, and that's why you have that. But it it it's still. It's still really an explosive situation. There are, there are Jewish owners in the NBA. Um, Adam Silver himself is Jewish. It, it, it's a real dangerous thing he did here um, as well, even if he didn't do it knowingly or on purpose um, at, at all. But for him to double down and be unapologetic about it, for him to never for him to have never met with the Nets and met with the, the, the organization they were meeting with, um, right, throughout the entire process while they were discussing how they were going to do damage control, him being unapologetic publicly is a really bad look. Um, so I think it's less about public freedoms, freedom of speech, and it's more about what he, how much weight his word carries, even though it shouldn't. He's he's unserious. Kyrie's an unserious guy. He claims to be smart, but doesn't read. You can't be smart and not read. You can't be smart and be uninformed. You can't be smart and have gone to college for five days. You can't be smart. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, it don't make any sense. You could be a smart guy who didn't go to college. All right. Yeah. Get me on technicality. But he doesn't read. Kyrie's not informed. Kyrie doesn't know what's going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we talking about? What, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense. He wants to be so important. And, and that's, he's trying to carry this mantle. And there's a responsibility that comes with that. And he's scared of that responsibility. In the interview, he said, you know, I have a responsibility with my influence to lead, the, lead people. And in the same interview, he goes, well, it's not my responsibility to lead people. Ky Kyrie, like, you don't. You, you don't make sense ever. Like you never make sense. You, nothing you ever says, nothing he ever, he ever says makes sense. He's, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. So yeah, I think he's trying to carry this mantle and 
there's no reason for it at this point. It's 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 a dead mission because he's not the guy. He's not equipped to do it. And if he he's he'll be lucky if he plays the NBA basketball next year. Seriously, that's where we're headed. <laughs> You're pissing off the wrong people. Have we not learned? Come on. Bruh, I feel that was probably one of my worst takes, bro. Of the re of the of twenty twenty two, of me saying that Kyrie was actually going to lock in this year, because I thought if anything that mattered to Kyrie, it would be the bag. If anything that mattered to Kyrie would be the bag, and I thought he would be on best behavior. And Kyrie, what is it? <laughs> Two weeks in is being Kyrie. It's it's like to be fair, he's playing good basketball on the court. He's been playing great. He's been scoring a lot of points, which is I know he likes to do. Hasn't translated to wins or nothing like that. But even playing some little bit of defense, getting blocks, it, it, it's just he doesn't seem to be able to get out of his own way off the court. It's not the what. It's never from Kyrie. It's not about what you get on the court. What you get on the court is unquestionably incredible. He's he is one of the greatest basketball players to ever lose and lace him up from a talent perspective. But off the court. He, he just can't keep himself out of trouble. And, and I, I fear that he's going to find himself out of the NBA should this continue. It's just one of those things. Like, I, the Nets are just trying to make this work one last time, and they're doing a last-ditch effort thing. If it weren't for that, he'd be gone already. I, you know, they cut their losses. And I think that's, that's what's going to happen. By February, we're not even going to be talking about him being a Brooklyn Net anymore. He'll be out of here. I just don't see how this is sustainable at all, you know? Before we transition, I want to ask you, Miles, do you think – that the other stars in NBA, their silence regarding this issue, specifically Kyrie, is in a way saying that they, without saying anything, they agree on some level with Kyrie's stance. Because we've normally seen the LeBrons of the world, for example, very vocal on issues regarding Black people and their strife and everything that they're going through. I mean, I think you might hear the silence because, I mean, it's all about money at the end of the day. So I think with this community, they're so heavily tapped in with, you know, ownership and what comes with sports. And I don't think they want to upset anybody by taking the wrong side. Like what Kyrie did with reposting that, yeah, it's going to have, you know, effects on him moving forward. And like you saw, there was a, a group of people who were on the sideline with, like, T-shirts trying to make a point, which, I mean, he went over and dapped them up and, you know, I think he said something to them. But it's just one of those things where it's not going to go away for him, even though he didn't really apologize today. He just put out a statement just kind of. He hasn't admitted fault, really, yet, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. I think that the NBA, it's kind of weird that, you know, they did what they did with Myers Leonard, but they don't know what to do with Kyrie just yet. It's like he got suspended, he got fined, he, all this stuff happened, but, I mean, Kyrie's still out here playing. They had to, you know, mute his <laughs> – take his press badge because they don't want him saying the wrong thing because that that was the, that was crazy the other day but like like you guys are saying I don't I don't know what the the other NBA players are thinking but 
it's not it's not good yeah for sure i'm sh- i'm positive myers leonard is punching in the air somewhere i saw his <laughs> ig the other day he's still working out he had a post that said day by day getting closer i don't know what exactly he's getting closer to maybe overseas but with this Kyrie situation and Kanye and everything that's going on right now with anti-Semitism, I think you're going to have to wait year by year, Myers. You're not getting back in the league any anytime soon. And I'm surprised. I'm with Mazda. I'm surprised. It's <laughs> nothing that happened yet to this man. Not a waiver, not a suspension. They did. The Nets are just like, yo, play ball. And you're not talking up. You're not going. <laughs> you're not in any interviews. Play ball, that's it. They literally dribble and shut up. Before we move on, I want to say this. I don't know how the I don't know how the NBA or the Nets were supposed to punish Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving did nothing illegal. Kyrie Irving didn't even explicitly himself like, you know, he didn't put a quote up for the movie that said, you know, something crazy about the Holocaust, something crazy about Jews, right? He he promoted something that was that had hate speech in it. But you don't know what part of the, this thing resonated with him. It's really hard to punish that. It's there's a lot of gray area. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of gray area. That's the issue. He probably yeah. didn't watch it. So we don't know what resonated with him when you ain't watch it. He didn't watch it, bro. He didn't watch. I'm telling you, it's no way that man took three hours, three and a half hours out of his day or his night to watch it. There's no way he was too busy burning incense in his house. There's no way that man did that. So he doesn't even know what, like, bro. I, I'm telling you, I, I I'm not even kidding. I think when all this blew up in his face. He was at home like, what? Like, he was genuinely surprised that people had this reaction. He's like, what are y'all even talking about? Like, I, you know, I'm just talking about how black people are the real Jews, which, whatever, there's a whole different podcast. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> but I don't think he even knew that there was something that in this film that could take him so left and so far, of course. And I think right now, Kyrie's victimizing himself and Kyrie feels like he's being attacked. He's like, y'all are just finding stuff at this point. You guys are just finding reasons to go, be against me at this point. It feels like it's, it feels like it's him against the, and against the world. And, you know, it's just immaturity. He's immature. He's, a, he's an immature 30-year-old. And uh, let this be a lesson to everybody that they're all, while, you know, you can be an adult and while you know adults, they're just big kids who mess up the same way you do and, and, and sometimes even worse like Kyrie. Because I, I don't think, I, I know some, some six-year-olds that wouldn't have done what Kyrie did. So, that too it's not him against the world remember he got an army with him so it's him his army against the world Kyrie is he's straight right that's right he has a good and by the way I just makes this more dangerous because you know you people are here thinking you co-sign an anti-semitism and you know you got an army so to speak and you do he does he's, he's right he does have an army an army of, of people that are as stupid as he is <laughs> so, so it doesn't help on the court the Nets are off to a two or six start. They're the worst defensive team in the league. KD don't look like he won't be there. Ben Simmons, he like he like to dress up. He don't look like he won't be there. We already talked about Kyrie. TJ Warren probably is second guessing if he can see if he can get out his contract. What <laughs> do you do with this Brooklyn Nets team? You got Ime Udoka possibly coming over here to coach. I personally, all I really want. Concerning the Nets specifically, if this somehow gets to Adam Silver, can we please get an NBA hard knocks? Because what's going on in Brooklyn and what's going on with the Lakers and the Clippers, I need to see this every day. I would 
I will pay for another streaming service to let me see what's happening in the Brooklyn Nets every single day. What, where do you go from with this? Like, what do you do with this Brooklyn Nets squad? Two and I, I understand the, what, the Nets are try, what the Nets are trying to do by hiring Ime Udoki. They don't want to blow it up. I understand you've invested so much. You got to think about it from their angle. They've invested so much. They've lost so much. They lost the coach they really liked in Kenny Atkinson. He lost another coach they, that Sean Marks loved. He looked heartbroken yesterday on TV talking about Steve Nash getting fired. You lost another guy. You know, you lost your young core. Everyone, every, that, I, I think people need to, all right, the national media and people don't understand how, how crazy it was that Sean Marks turned this team around and where he took them to. I always talk about it on the podcast, people really don't get it. If you're not a Nets fan, and God knows there aren't many of them, but if, if right, this is being, this is just being real. So you don't, people don't understand what he did. He took a roster where that started a guy named Isaiah Gutierrez, who I'm pretty sure right now is packing someone's groceries in Yugoslavia or wherever the hell he's at. He, they were starting at a point guard at one point. They had Chase Budinger, Chase Budinger playing the, the three, playing 40 minutes a game. They had Isaiah Whitehead, Isaiah Whitehead. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not from New York. You don't even know who that is. Isaiah Whitehead. And he was playing serious minutes for the Nets. He took that roster and turned it into D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, a playoff performance, a playoff uh, berth two years in a row, the seventh seed. What he did was remarkable, what Sean Marks did. And Sean Marks deserves a lot of credit for that. And then he, he took it and he sold his soul to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which a lot of guys, again, would have done. I have to reiterate that point. And, and nothing's worked out since then. And it started with DeAndre Jordan. It, it, it went on to Kenny, Kenny Atkins to get in the ax. And it's just been downhill from there. So you can't, I say all that to say, you can't blow this thing up um, right now if you think there's a chance. You have Kevin Durant for three more years, right? If anything, you want him to increase his trade value over this next stretch. You get a coach in here who can speak his language. He wanted he wanted to go to Boston over the summer because Ime Uduka was there. He really respects him. So you bring him in. I think this was already agreed to before the season. I think when Kevin Durant chose to come back here and said, all right, I'll come back, it wasn't out of a place of desperation. It was because he knew the Nets would ultimately cave to what he wanted to do, cave to his demands. And so they fire Steve Nash a couple games into the season, and they bring in his Amy Udoka. You see what he can get out of these guys. You see if Ben Simmons can get that spring back spring back in his legs because he just looks hesitant out there athletically. You see if he can get it back. And you all while doing this, all while you're trying to win games and hoping it works out and you flip it, flip it and win 17 out of 20 games and get in the first place and compete for a championship. You're also hoping these guys are boosting up their trade value in case it doesn't work out that way. So that way you can flip guys. You hope you get far enough from this whole anti-Semitism fiasco that you can trade uh, uh, Kyrie to the Lakers who are desperate to get off Russ anyways for both the first round picks. You hope it works out that way. It doesn't mean it's going to probably not. I don't know it won't, but you try. But you try. And I think that's that's what they're going to do. You, you, the idea of hiring Emi Udoka is you hire a good basketball coach anyways, a guy who's, you know, and look, the Emi Udoka thing is a whole different discussion. I know people will be asking you about this, if, if especially if they see these clips. He didn't commit a crime, all right? He, he People smashed other people's wives every day, unfortunately. It's just the reality of it. Uh, we don't know how far this thing goes. I'm not condoning his behavior. Um, and I'm not the Nets, so I don't have to, con- I don't have to speak for them. <laughs> you know? so that's fine if they want to hire him hire him i i just you know he's a damn good basketball coach who can get a lot out of this group 
and he has Jason Tatum playing real good defense now. He he's he's what he did last year was incredibly remarkable. He did in one year what Brad Stephen took four years to dream about doing. So that that means something. Um, but yeah, I think the idea is you try to get the most out of this group, and Steve May can do that. That if that makes sense. So you try while these guys boost up their trade value in case things go left. And in February, if we have to flip this whole thing over, which I hope we do, I am a fan of blowing this up. We get good returns. We get good returns for Kevin Durant, and we start over again, which I I hope I can't wait for. I want them both gone. I hate them. I think it, the I heard reports. I forgot who said it. Steve Nash is actually supposed to get fired Sunday, mm-hmm. but the Kyrie situation messed the whole timeline of that up. As Kyrie, funny enough, saved Steve Nash's job for a day. Steve Nash is supposed to get fired on Sunday. That Kyrie situation messed it up. <clears throat> I think, like you said, it was agreed upon before the season started. I think you should have just got rid of him in all season. And the thing is, is this really now looking at it? Joe Harris doesn't looks a shell of himself. We haven't seen Seth. Is this really still a championship? roster uh, and I heard someone break it down very beautifully Vinny Vinny Goodwill he said y'all don't have which we mentioned the biggest flaw on the team is really y'all don't have bigs as Nick Claxton and nobody else he said is literally you got Kevin Durant Nick Claxton and a bunch of six three players is this really a chance is this really a championship roster it's not it's not. It's not a finished roster. And and Sean Mark said that, by the way. Sean Mark said this is not a finished, you know, product. He has those other first-round picks to play with. Oh, at least one more first-round pick to play with anyways for a while. And I think he's holding out on a potential Miles Turner deal. But I think the reason why it hasn't happened yet is because the Lakers outhold those cards. Like, they want your picks. <laughs> They're waiting for the Lakers to call the Pacers up um, and get that package, right? But um, – and I think they'll be more valuable than the line. I'd argue that they'll be the same <laughs> if you get it from the Nets, but it's, it's Philly's pick, so it makes a little more sense um, why they wouldn't want the Nets, you know, draft pick as much. But yeah, they they need they're not a completed roster. They need to add a big. I think it was a major design flaw they didn't get one. Um, they have tall guys, but not strong guys, and that matters. Where a guy like Jonas Valanciunas could walk into Barclays and get leave it a 30-30 game because he's just that much stronger than all the rest of your players. They, they have serious design flaws in their team um, as well. And then Ben not being himself, which is predictable, is a bigger problem, is, a, is, a, is an even bigger problem for them. So, you know, here we are. Here we are, man. I, I don't even like talking about the X's and O's in the Nets. They, I, I, they, they're not fun to watch. They're not fun to root for. Their own fans don't want to root for them. The, the Nets fans are bailing on this franchise. So many of them were Jewish. I did not realize they have, there were that many Jewish Nets fans. I'm, I'm so serious. They're bailing on this team. They're bailing on this team. And, and Sean Marks in the interview in the press conference said, I don't blame anybody for not rooting for us right now. What are we, like, what are we even talking about? This is, blow it up. <laughs> blow it up. We're over here, yo, the fans are going to get you paid. Blow, them up, blow it up, man. Kyrie's not worth losing whatever fan base you have and whatever fan base you could grow in the future, man. Blow it up. He is not that. Kyrie's good. He's not that good. That's all I'm gonna say. He's not that good to, to risk all of that. No way. The only way you could save this team is if you come back to Jersey. That's it. I, I actually agree with that, by the way. They should have never left New Jersey. I'd be a season ticket holder right now. And then if Ime can turn KD into Jason Tatum, I think that's a start. 
That'd be big. That'd be big. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, no, Jason Tatum is better than KD right now, though. No, no BS. Nope. No bull. I, I think he's better than him. Jason Tatum plays D. He plays yeah. locks up. He locks up. So no way. I I I, I totally agree with that with that sentiment. Between I think he's between Katie and Kyrie, we just got two scores. That's it. Yeah. And then with the whole Ben Simmons thing, there's no way you can move forward with him on this team. I don't think there's any way you you got to trade him for what you can at this point. Like it's it's a loss at this point what you're getting for Ben Simmons, but like he doesn't fit with this team. If you looked at what he was doing in Philly, he was probably the main ball handler. He was a point guard. Now he's like playing a small forward role where, you know, he's setting screens, but they're useless because he's not a pick and roll, pick and pop because he's afraid to shoot, afraid to lay it up. So what are you doing on the court? You're not really helping the team, not helping them on offense. Sure. And then on defense, you, you're out of position. You're playing like they got him playing center most times. And that's why he's found out. It, it, it's. I think it's hard. I think you gotta be patient with the Ben Simmons situation. You just have to. I don't think they have a choice. Just a mess well, the yeah, There's no choice. Yeah. yeah, you just have to be patient, like, and hope that he gets his spring back because who he was before he got hurt was a guy you can use. But who he is now, it's it's bad. It's as bad as you're saying it is. I don't gotta go over it again. It's as bad as you're saying it is. So you hope with because Michael Porter Jr. spoke about it. He has his fair share of experience being injured. The guy, the guy lives in a hospital, so he said that Ben is what he's going through right now with the back injury. It just takes time. It just takes time for you to get the, the, the spring back in your legs to feel the same way you felt before athletically. You just got to give it time. You got to take it from a, take it from a back expert like him, a guy who's constantly on his back can tell you better than anybody else that it's just going to take time with Ben. And you got to, you got to be patient. I'm willing to be patient with Ben Simmons. I am. My frustration really comes from Kate Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Um, and yeah, Kevin Durant's more culpable of all this than we, we, I know we get to, I know Kyrie gets to take the steal the show. Kevin Durant is as culpable in all this is as Kyrie is too. I'm sorry. Kyrie, Kevin Durant, if he is who we say he is, we're better than this. Because LeBron in his prime playing with playing with John from, from Mitchell Auto Parts down the street is going to the finals. So there's no way. There's no way. And I'm holding him to that standard. Yeah, I am. Because it's KD stands who tell me that KD's better than Braun. They would have told me that in the past. Hell no. If he's who we say he is, if Kyrie's who we say he is, the Nets are not two and six right now. No way. No, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. You know what the problem is with those two guys? You know what the problem with the Nets is? The real problem is not Steve Nash. The real problem with the Nets is that they have two star players, two guys that are supposed to be leaders of this franchise that aren't leaders, and all they do on the court is score. They don't make anybody better. Kevin Wright doesn't make anybody better, and neither is is Kyrie. That's how I want to pull this up. It's flawed from the beginning. Because they don't have anybody who's supposed to make that easier, making guys better. Ben was supposed to be that guy, but he's not himself yet. According to the back expert, he'll be back soon. So we have to. I'm I'm trying to wait. But as far as this team, that's where the flaw is. You have two guys who make themselves better and get buckets for themselves, but don't get nobody nobody else better. That's the problem. So who's blowing it up first, the Lakers or the Nets? I I think that's a good question. Uh, I think the 
I think the Nets are, are likely are likely to blow it up first. It's, just, it's more toxic with the Nets than it is with Russ. Russ is a, is thriving in his little bench role right now. So, you know, there's a chance that this thing can be fruitful. They win the game against the Pelicans tonight. You know, you feel you feel good about yourself. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say the Nets will blow it up first. Now, you mentioned we talked about Ben not being really a good fit, but we talked about having patience with Ben. On the flip side, when we look at the football field, there's a player that there's been discussion on. Do we have patience with him? Do we just kick him to the curb and move on and try to find our actual franchise quarterback? Zach Wilson. In five games of him being here and actually playing, because he did not play the entire season. He watched Joe Flacco. He has three touchdowns, five interceptions, been sacked 10 times a quarterback rating of 46.7. He's 28th in yards, last place in touchdowns, tied for 16th in interceptions. Zach Wilson, give him give him more time or you've seen enough. Where do we go for it with Zachary I smash moms Wilson? <laughs> this is miles for the expertise. Yeah, this is my question. No, um, <laughs> So my reaction after the game was, of course, as a fan, it was frustrating because that was a game we should have easily won. And I mean, we still should have won regardless of his you know, careless mistakes. I mean, he's making a lot of rookie mistakes at this point and they're fixable. I mean, all these mistakes he's making are fixable. It's just, he's got to realize that, because I was listening to the radio and they made a good point about he tries to make the hero play every play when he scrambles out. He, he does a great job not taking sacks and all that stuff, but then he tries to make a play when maybe there isn't a play to be made. Maybe these guys are covered downfield and you shouldn't try to force it into triple coverage, which, I mean, you, you do that at lunchtime when you got, you know, guys that are more athletic than other guys, but you don't do that in the NFL. This is not going to work. It's not sustainable. Like everybody's looking for that next Patrick Mahomes. And it was real premature for them to be like, oh, he has Mahomes like tendencies. Nobody has Mahomes like tendencies. It's one of those things where Mahomes is who he is. He's one of one. So everybody's in search of that. The 49ers picked Trey Lance because of that same reason. It's just, I can't give up on him yet. One, because then that's just it's a cycle this is a cycle that we're in and the only way to break the cycle you gotta you know growing pains this is what happens so we gotta live with some of these mistakes let him work through it and you you have to hope that at some point he stops making these mistakes and the good outweighs the bad because last week that was that was as bad as it comes like he tried to, to throw it out and threw it inbounds for a pick. I was so confused watching the game. I'm like, are you throwing it out of bounds? Or are you throwing it to somebody? Because the next guy near it is like 10 yards downfield. So clearly you're not throwing it to a receiver. But like, it's frustrating because you can see the talent. When he makes plays, you know, jukes people out of a sack and then makes like a 40-yard pass downfield, you're like, all right, I can work with that. But then when he's, you know, overcreating, which is there, there's a such thing as overcreating because sometimes when a play is dead, let it go. 
So I, as a Jets fan, I can't be too upset because, I mean, he is 4-1 as a starter. We have been coddling him a little bit with these, you know, since Brees Hall got hurt. Now it's on him. Brees Hall was kind of the crutch for him because it's like Brees Hall, in my opinion, he was a top five running back in the league at this point in his career as a rookie already. And we just lost that. One of the best playmakers in the NFL. So now we got to figure out something else. They got to use Elijah Moore. You got all these weapons. And I blame the play calling too. Play calling and, you know, we have a revolving door at offensive line. Like I couldn't even name you the set offensive line every week because one, they either get hurt or they suck. So it's tough. It's tough dealing with those, those consequences with, you know, playing for the Jets sometimes, but it is what it is. Damal's point, you can't give up on him that early. It's ridiculous. That's, that's patently ridiculous. The next guy you bring in is going to make the same amount of mistakes. And if you don't have the right coaching staff in play to take advantage of what he does well with play calling and uh, cleaning up footwork and working with them on the nuances of playing quarterback, then you're just going to have this revolving door at the position for the rest of your franchise's history. So giving up on Zach Wilson, a guy that talented that early, is, a bit, is just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it doesn't benefit anyone. There's no no one wins there. No one wins. Um, because then because the reality is you guys are gonna be too good to go get, you know, a great quarterback. That's just you guys are gonna be just good at just too good to, to, to be in that range. Um, so and you and I don't you don't trust that play calling that offensive staff with a young, moldable, athletic quarterback who's still figuring it out. Like you don't trust them. So it doesn't, it makes even less sense. Um, but yeah, I think that's the way to go. I mean, it, it, use, use the Giants as an example, although I will say that Daniel Jones is, you know, he, he was, he was sharp. He was sharper than that early on, but, but, but use them as an example. You, you, you ride with, you ride with the guy, you let him go through the growing pains and it does pay dividends down the line. And Zach Wilson is, is extremely talented. So again, I, I just, I would just hold off. I would hold off. Jeff's fans need to calm down a little bit. Calm down. Little I heard this on Bill. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I heard this on Bill Simmons' podcast. I wanted to run this by y'all. Aaron Rodgers for Zach, Will, Zach Wilson and two first-rounders. No. Do you make that trade? This is like Brett Favre. I, I don't want to get into this. This is a no for me. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I'm good on that. That's just going to be a disaster. Um. And to your point, Daniel Jones, he was ready because, you know, Coach K got him ready over there at Duke to play in the NFL. So um, <laughs> there's that. But, no, Aaron Rodgers, he's he's not done. But at, like, 40 years old, unless you have a roster like the Buccaneers did where they have pretty much everything set in place, you don't do that. You don't, you don't give up picks for the future and – and do that for Aaron Rodgers. He's talented, but I'm good on that. But that is the next step. They're not going to keep drafting quarterbacks at this point. If this doesn't work, they have to trade for somebody, a veteran. Because, I mean, we've seen it over and over again. You don't have time to develop you know, young quarterbacks in New York. Look, everybody was ready to give up on Daniel Jones, and now... Then you gotta get a bag. I'm about to give him the MVP award. 
country. So you got to be patient. You got to be patient. Another quarterback that there was patience with was Josh Allen. And Chris is not on tonight, but Chris sent in his take, and he has Josh Allen as hands down the MVP so far at this point. We're about eight and a half weeks throughout the season. Who do y'all have right now at this halfway point as y'all MVP in the NFL? You got to say it's Josh Allen. I mean, it, that's the easy way to go when it comes mm-hmm. to picking this whole thing. But, I mean, the fun pick would be Geno Smith because if you think about it, when we were coming into this year, they were ready to – be like, all right, it's going to be Drew Locke's team. He's going to lead this team. They didn't even give Drew, uh, Gino a chance to win the job, even though he'd been there for like four years, studied with Russ, learned how to, you know, play the position a little better. Like, if it almost feels like this offense fits him better than it did Russell Wilson. Because, I mean, they didn't lose any pieces. They still got DK. They still got Tyler Lockett. And he's making things work. He was throwing dimes. He was ripping the Giants apart last week. and It wasn't. That wasn't even what happened. It, it wasn't? If not for who was it? Didn't Lockett, didn't Lockett drop a pass that hit his head? Gino had some perfect passes in that game, but they the Giants defended well. That's not what happened. <laughs> the Giants played good deep. For all, I'm just being real. He played. He, he, Gino played amazing. He's really, really good. I, he's great even at this point. I can call him great. That's how good – that's where he's at. But and it's crazy Giants, he, was, he, was, it, he was in New York. He was in both spots. And it didn't work. I don't get it. The idiots that were here seemed to believe in him at the time. So maybe they're not as stupid as I thought, as I thought they were. Maybe Ben McAdoo's not as much of an idiot as I thought he was. He did shout them out, too. They thought they thought he was good. They benched Eli for him for a reason. So they did see something there. Um, but, it, you know, look, man, look, I, I'm not going to go over that again. I, <laughs> I'm not going there again. I'm just not going back to those years. Uh, the MVP conversation's fun. You can, yeah, sure, you can give me the Josh Allen generic response. I'd expect no less from Chris, that bland Fisher-Price answer. What the reality is, is that there's a lot of deserving candidates for MVP this year. I, I You could give Saquon love in that conversation. He deserves to be in the conversation. You could give, um, you could give, Gino sure is a fun, is a fun choice. Um, and five and three is something we never saw coming from that team. And being in the, the leading team in that division is something we never expected. Geno's that noise can get louder as the season progresses for Geno Smith. Jalen Hurts deserves votes too. I don't know why he why Jalen why Josh Allen is a slam dunk vote when Jalen Hurts is playing well and it seems it's six and zero or seven and zero wherever they are. I don't really get that either. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, he should get more love in this conversation than he's getting um, as well. But look, we give it to quarterbacks every year. I think if we're going to give it to a player that's not a quarterback, and we talk about the guys who are who outside of the, that position who are going to get it. I would say that uh, my man Saquon Barkley deserves real love in that conversation. The Giants are not six and two without him. They're running. He's getting the most. He has the most touches in football. The most all-purpose yards in football. I don't understand why we can't get have him be in that conversation as well. So uh, that's why I'm at with it. But all those names I I oh, I named, especially Jalen Hurts, you can make a real case he's the most deserving guy in the league, or you know, at least one of them, at least top two. Yes. We always give the quarterbacks. I think another name that should be in that conversation, Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons should be in that conversation. He's a huge part of why the Cowboys are where they at, the defense in general. But Michael Parsons is a big part of that Cowboys defense. 
we are, you know, what it is with the Cowboys. We ain't thinking about Dak. We ain't thinking about Zeke and Tony Pollard. It's that defense that has them where they're at right now. <clears throat> this or that, NFL and NBA edition, this or that. Y'all know how the game goes. We just talked about the Eagles. So the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC is the 49ers or the Cowboys? I'd say the 49ers. Yeah. I'd say the 49ers. I, agree with, I agree with you. 49ers. I mean, with McCaffrey, that addition is deadly. Like, we saw it this week. And what Shanahan's going to do with him. They got, they got a lot of plays they can use with him now. I wasn't expecting that halfback pass to start the game but i mean if it's in the playbook that even that makes them even more dangerous so and that and they did all this without debo too that's what you you forget so they got debo they got mccaffrey and they got brandon Ayuk. jimmy g's good enough to get you to a super bowl again their the defense is really good still. yeah yup they're 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 better coach than Dallas. I think the difference between Dallas and the 49ers is the coaching. It's solely in coaching to me. Personnel, you can split hairs. I think the personnel goes to the 49ers a little bit too, but it goes in that direction. But I think coaching is where I see the that's where they're winning the playoffs. Yeah, and, and they've proven it. They've gotten to the, the final, they've gotten to the finals. I'm thinking about the NBA. They've gotten to the Super Bowl. They've gotten to the the at the NFC championship last year, right? Um, so yeah, I think that. That that coaching staff is one I trust more than I trust. I don't trust McCarthy at all. And I don't trust Dallas to not get in their own way at all. I'm sorry. I don't. They're still giving Zeke more touches than Pollard. We're still having that debate. Okay? So, you know where we wouldn't have the debate? We wouldn't have that debate in, in San Fran. That's not even a debate. Pollard should be getting more touches. They're holding themselves back. They don't run the ball nearly enough. They've been doing a better job of it. Just, just things that ideology, the ideologies they have in place there just are ridiculous. And they, they literally shoot themselves in the foot. I don't trust them to not get in their own way. They still commit a bunch of penalties that are ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the 49ers in a, in a, in a, in, in just in the playoffs and their sustainability in the playoffs and where they're getting, they can end up. Can't, can't disagree with that before we go to the next one. I know we were talking about it. You view Geno Smith as the best quarterback I see? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I think he's the best. I think Geno Smith is the best quarterback in the NFC, um, for sure, honestly. And, and, and it's funny because I never thought I'd be saying that. I don't think anyone ever thought I'd be saying that. He's the best deep ball thrower in the, in, in the NFC. I've never seen – in the league, actually, by the numbers. And I've ne I haven't seen – a quarterback this year make more perfect passes than him. I think that's the thing where I really, where really wowed me. It was like, he, he puts the ball right where it should be. He's a really, really good quarterback, hard to, hard, hard to play against. Um, he, that's where we're at with him. That's what he's not making mistakes. He did almost throw a pick six against the Giants. We're not going to talk about that. He did almost throw one, but um, he, he is, he's actually, no, he's actually gotten himself to a really good place. The pass got batted down, Miles. It did happen. Um, but uh, I think um, the biggest thing is just that, you know, he, again, the, he's making perfect throws on film. That's what he's doing. He's making perfect throws to these guys. He's, he's elevating the wide receiver core. He's elevating that team to a 5-3 record. He's, he's the real deal. He's here to stay. It's, kind of, it's not a fluke where he's at right now. He's in the pocket delivering that football down the field into tough windows. And he's got more than enough arm strength to do it. So, yeah, man, I think it's, it's real. I think he's the best quarterback in the, in the NFC right now. If we're thinking about it, it's not a hotly contested race. 
for, for that title right now in the NFC. Dak isn't, you know, hasn't been around. And Jimmy G is, is he's Jimmy G. I mean, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been good. I think that uh, Geno's a better and more talented thrower to football than Jalen Hurts. That could change, you know, sure. And Jalen Hurts has been great. I'm not, you know, not poo-pooing on his performance. But the guy, the, Geno's been phenomenal. Phenom- no one makes more perfect throws in per game, on a per-game basis than Geno Smith. So that's why he's my guy. He's my guy. Hold up. Are you, are you just talking about playing quarterback or are you talking about, you know, the whole thing that comes with it? So Jalen Hurts, he runs too. Yeah, he's a running back. He's not a running back. He threw four touchdowns last week. He was he was dealing. So I'd still say he's the best right now in the NFC. Gino <laughs> might be second. He might be second, but I mean he's been he's he's been lights out this year so far. So I know you you're running rampant with that. Jalen Hurts is the third best quarterback in the division, and I never said that. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. You. Oh, I said that before. Okay, before the season started, I said that. That's yeah, fair. That's before his breakout. Yeah. Before his breakout. Before his breakout. Yeah, he's having a breakout yeah. year. Before he has a breakout year, I'm just saying. Like, and by the way, that whole NFC quarterback conversation will be fun to have by the end of the year because what we're headed towards Daniel Jones really creeping his way into this conversation, not being the best in the in the league in the in the division quite yet, but we're going to talk about it. And I, I'm very excited to have that conversation. That's all I'm saying. We're going to talk about it. Okay, he's, again, he's, he's the best Giants quarterback they've had since Kerry Collins. So yeah. it's a lot of a hey, lot considering of the fact he's throwing to Chris Johnson every every down, Daniel Jones is throwing to Chris Johnson every down. He's throwing Hail Marys to Chris Johnson every down, and we're we're productive. Um, so I, I just 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 keep that in mind when you talk when you talk about Daniel Jones and you get a little slander for him. But nah, I mean you can look, flip a coin. Miles been in his bag these last two episodes. Right, that ass. <laughs> this or that you guys mentioned it perfect transition Tony Pollard or Kenneth Walker in the third Tony Pollard Tony Pollard yeah Tony Pollard this or that Super Bowl contender the Dolphin or the Ravens who is more of a Super Bowl contender I say the Dolphins yes, look at what they did over the, the at the trade deadline they brought in Chubb, they brought in Jeff Wilson, so they're cre- recreating the the 49ers in Miami right now. So watch out, watch out for this team. They're creating the the 49ers with a better quarterback. Yeah. Two is better. Two is better than Jimmy G. I don't know that people don't want to talk about it, but two has been now, incredible now this year. Two is a good quarterback. Uh, it, well, surround him. Give hey, give me. Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Wilder throw the ball too, and look what I do. I'd be the best quarterback in football too. You gave me those two guys, so yeah, like we got clips. We got clips. Yeah, not, I'm not on me playing quarterback, unfortunately. It was that was something to see, though. That was something to see. But um, nah, I mean it's uh, you give him those weapons. He he, of course, his plays elevated. His plays elevated. So I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that. But, yeah, I think the quarterback play is better. I, I, I would give Tua the nod over Jimmy G. I'm sorry. I just would do that um, for so, so many reasons. But his accuracy is just better than Jimmy G's. I trust him more between the numbers. I, I trust him more to make the right play, not to force it. Um, and the weapons he has, oh, my God. I mean, 
having to guard Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill at the same time is it's just impossible, as you can see, because Tyreek might literally get 2,000 yards this year because they just don't teams don't have an answer for that kind of speed. Um, so combine that with a good run game, combine that with a great pat, great pass rush, combine that with a team that's just altogether really, really strong from top to bottom. They're, they're more of the Super Bowl threat than Lamar is right now. And Lamar has no wide receivers little ball, too. It's a revolving door. He's piecing together wins. It's hard, man. It's not a knock on Lamar. It's a knock on the Ravens and how they've built that team. Bigger shock. Warriors off to three and five start or the Jazz being six and two? The Jazz? Yeah. What are you doing? You're supposed <laughs> to be losing these games. It doesn't make sense. Like, they – they should be losing these games, but I'll admit, they, they've been playing well. Got to give the coach credit. He's got them playing hard. But, you know, if you miss out on Vic, this could set your franchise back 100 years. It could. It could. It could. I mean, you see, you see that meme of uh, Danny Ainge looking like he wants to kill Will Hardy from, <laughs> from behind the bench. They're playing hard, man. It, it, and I think the thing that's – You have to bring Steve Nash in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he don't deserve that, Stray. He don't do he's, he's over here doing TikToks dancing because he got away from Kyrie Irving, and rightfully so. I would be dancing if I got away from Kyrie. If I had to work with Kyrie every single day, I think I'd jump off a bridge. But, um, you know, look, they, they're going to have to make a trade. The Jazz are going to have to make a trade to bottom out, to your point. You can't miss on you – can't, you can't miss on this guy. You can't run the risk of missing on him. You can't miss on Victor Wembanyama because you were too good, or, or like if you're a team that has no, like if you're a team that's just a middling team, that he's too good of a prospect. So they're gonna make some trades, I think. They'll they'll deal like a Jordan Clarkson, they'll deal a Rudy Gay, they'll deal all, Mike Conley. They're gonna deal guys like that eventually. You saw they were trying to sell the farm to the Lakers for those two first round picks of Russ. They're ready to do it all. You know what I mean? So you know what their intentions are. They're not trying to win games. So I think eventually they'll bottom this thing out because they because they have to. Because you can't miss on this kid. Not the you'll never live that one down. Last one for this or that. Trade Kevin Durant or trade LeBron James. Trade Kevin Durant. 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 In a heartbeat. I'm watching LeBron James pick apart this this Pelican defense right now, making great passes all over the place up until he he just had a turnover. And I was saying it funny enough. Must have heard me. Um but, you know, he's been making great passes all day. He, he makes guys better. He's still that kind of player out there. Um, still plays a good effort defensively. No, get rid of Kevin Durant. Get, it, get this guy out of here. No, uh, it's not even remotely the same. Kevin Durant had the lowest plus minus in the league last time I checked last week, or like one of the lowest, which is inexcusable for a guy of his talent level. Turns the ball over and he tries to make passes. He doesn't make people around him better, period. That's my thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move off Kevin Durant before I'm ready to move off LeBron James. No way. Would you rather we mentioned the Jazz off to their hot start? One of the players that are excelling with this hot start is Lori Marketing. 22.6 PPG, 9.3 boards, 2.9 assists. Would you rather Lori Marketing, Paolo Boncaro? Paolo. 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 I mean, that could change, I guess, if Lori continues this, this ascension he's on. Might be, this might be his breakout year. He had a lot of talent. Remember that year one with the Bulls just was something to behold. Uh, so he's a talented guy. But Paolo is incredible. Paolo is is going to be a, a superstar in the NBA. He's a superstar type guy. He's a guy that makes everybody people around him better. 
There's nothing he can't do out there. He's going to defend at a high level. I don't know if the Magic are ready to have a player that good on their team and what that means for your organization when you have a guy who's that good on your team. I don't know if they're ready for that challenge and what comes with that because that means you got to compete. And I don't know if they're ready to do that consistently. So, yeah, I, I would still say Paolo's the answer there. Jeremy Grant. Over versus who? Versus Paolo? Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen? Oh, Laurie oh, Markkinen. Laurie. I'm taking yeah. Laurie. I'm taking Laurie. Chris stops Porzingis. I still take – I'd take Porzingis just because if he could ever stay healthy. Yeah. The talent is – it's never been a question about talent. He's one of those where it's like he can do everything but stay healthy. <laughs> That's about it. I, I mean, if we're talking about this year um, – It's KP. I, it's, it, KP's been playing good basketball, real good basketball for the Wizards, silently because he's playing it for the Wizards. So I don't blame I don't blame anybody for not caring. Um, but I, I would I would Laurie's playing good ball too. I, it's tough. I I'm gonna go with Laurie. I'm gonna go with Laurie. I think the I think he's younger. I think the injury history isn't as vast, and I think that this breakout season he's having isn't like a fluke. Um, and he he has a, a history. I think KP's more talented, but Laurie could sustain this for a longer time without the injuries and some consistency if he can get, he can get the consistency anyways, but miles ain't, I flip a coin, pick either of these white guys. Yo, sidebar. I'm going to ask you one or two more names. <laughs> LeBron has had it with this, with this Matt Ryan dude. This man is. Play jumping has not made one of these jones. He yeah. keeps, Asking for the ball and he shoots it every time. Not even a pump fade, not even a driving kick. This man is shoot. They done lied to this man and told him he was a marksman, that he was a sharpshooter, and he's not. They told this man the wrong information. He's white. That doesn't mean you can shoot because he can't shoot. I don't know <laughs> so, why this man keeps shooting, bro. You saw what the Colts did. They need to bench Matt Ryan too. So, <laughs> one of those things. Oh my God! Lori Markin and Julius Randle. Lori Markin. Lori Markin. I hate that man. Lori Markin. I hate him. I hate him again. He's doing <laughs> bad things. He's doing bad things on the court again. I, I, I was on his side that first week, but now I'm just, I'm on the Obi needs to start train. So, last one. This play has been off to a pretty good start, too. Laurie Markkinen, Nick Claxton. Laurie Markkinen. Yeah. Yeah. I love Nick Claxton, but Laurie Markkinen's a better player. He is. We are in the time where we have basically, at this point, starting next week, I think all sports will be in full effect. College football, you now are getting the predictions for the college football playoffs based off of what we've seen so far. What four teams would y'all think or would y'all pick to be in the college football playoffs right now? I mean, Tennessee's got to be a lock right now. Yeah, they're a lock. Tennessee, Georgia. Bama. We got to see with that Ohio State team. They look, they look like a little shaky against Penn State, but they pulled it out. Um, 
but it all depends on how they do against Michigan at the end of the year. That's one of those things. Just like the SEC championship, it's tough. You got to be in that top three because if you lose, you're out. If you lose in that Ohio State-Michigan game, you're out. So, and I'm going to say Oregon. I'm going to say Oregon. So, what I say? I said Tennessee. Tennessee. I'm going to go Ohio State and Oregon. I don't, I, see, I, I, don't I, Bama, I don't see Bama making it. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm that out of time. I know Bama's been struggling this year, but to 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 hear that they're not they're not going to make it is just unbelievable to me. Um, I mean, I, it could, that's the thing. The committee is always funny with that. So yeah. they could. I find it hard to justify them being in the top three if they don't make it to the SEC championship. Because yeah. then you're saying what they're the third best team in the SEC, but then they're also a top four team in the country. Doesn't make sense. But also, we also can acknowledge that Pac-12 teams just aren't are watered down, and that if Oregon gets in, they're getting the brakes beaten off of them in that first game. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, the level of play, the drop off is just so significant. Like, Bama could be the third best team in, in the in the in the um, in the SEC, not make it to the SEC championship, and still be the third best team in the country. Like, they would they could still beat Ohio State. That's that's how good the SEC is. Right, but that's not how it works. But I'm just saying, no, but that's that's what we've seen. That's yeah. what we've that's what we've seen play out over year over year. Am I wrong? Yeah, but that's why they expanded the playoff because everybody complains about just four teams making it because they think it's not fair. SEC, they weigh it differently for them because you know that's the best conference, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't <laughs> they? But then you got teams who go undefeated who feel like, oh, we haven't been beaten yet. Who want to be in the the playoff? It's tough. It's definitely tough. It's definitely tough. I, I would, I would, I don't know. I'd still leave Bama because I just think if Bama can write the ship, Saban got juice that, you know, Saban got juice that most coaches don't have. And, I, you know, they have the one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I don't know if he's back yet um, at this point. No, he's back. He's back. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's one of those things where if they can write the ship, they're still going to be one of the best teams in college football. But, it's tough because Tennessee's ascension has made this thing sticky for them, for sure. It's definitely made this thing sticky for them. And Tennessee has might deserve to be the number one overall just team in college football, period, how they've been playing. On the flip side, we have college basketball back literally starting Monday. What are some of your teams, your sleeper teams, that you think might make a run and some of the teams that you're looking forward to watching this season? And if you want to add that in the mix, what players are you most excited to watch this year? And I'm pretty sure we're not going to mention all the super seniors and the Tim A's of the world and whatnot. So I really want to hear who y'all are looking forward to. Villanova with uh, Mark Armstrong um, and Cam Whitmore. I think they're good. They're a lot of fun. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Cam, Cam Whitmore is going to be a guy uh, who could be a lot? It was a, probably a lottery pick next year, um, right? And then the kid Mark Armstrong is a kid that most people won't know um, right off the bat, right? Unless you're from Jersey, and then you're especially if you're from South Orange, like I am. Uh, but that kid, I watched him play in, 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 when he was in what seventh grade. I played, I played with him actually, pickup. 
and I thought he was a, I thought he was going to be a pro right then and there. Like he's that good. He's that good. Uh, one of the best young players I've ever seen up close. So I, I think people are going to really be pleasantly surprised. Freshman guards don't usually play at Villanova, but I think he's going to get a chance to play pretty early and impact them early, especially with uh, your boy Jay Wright out of there anyways. So the ideology of not playing freshmen is, is dead. It's done for that. Um, you, you know, you do mention sleeper teams. So Villanova is a team I think could be a sleeper team when you have guys, two guys that talented and they're always good. They're always good right around that with Justin Moore, the you know, seniors. They're always talented around that. So that's one team that stands out to me. And I think UNC is a team that could just is going to be really sustainably good this year too. They brought a lot of their guys back, right? Um, <laughs> they're going to be sustainably good. So I, I think there's no Tar Hill Nation. Yeah, we need to we need to make it happen here. They should win. They should bring. They should uh-huh. win the whole thing. They brought everybody back. I'm not looking at. I'm not really paying attention to the regular season when it comes to the Tar Hills. I need to see them show up in the big dance. Yeah. Davis needs to get he needs to get a ring under his belt, get us a championship. And purposely, I want it to happen too, especially with Duke having their first year with Shire as the coach. I like their roster. Again, Jersey love. I I love Whitehead. I absolutely love his game. But I think is I don't think there will be one of the final teams. I'm seeing the UNCs of the world, the Gonzagas. That's gonna be you probably gonna be seeing those teams thirty four and four and records like that. Um, anybody you looking forward to specifically, Miles? I know you be tapped in and looking at some people possibly be drafted second round for the Knicks and whatnot. You know, I haven't really been tapped in with college basketball yet. Um, Kentucky was it hurt me when they lost to St. Peter's last year. I kind of you know put me in a dark dark place, so I haven't. I haven't been following them too deeply leading into the season. I mean, they're ranked in the top 10 as usual, but like, Coach, I don't know. Coach K said today, he was like, uh, Coach K, Cal, he said, we're not ready. Calipari yeah. said, we're not ready. We're not ready. I don't, I don't know. I don't think this team is that good. And I don't think these past couple years have been that good. So, I mean, I guess I got to hope that Bronny comes to Kentucky, even though that ain't happening. So, <laughs> until that happens, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not tapping in with these, these boys. Before we close out, one of the people on our show has a lot of hope and belief in this player. Do y'all think Imani Bates could have a, a bounce back type of season and be back in that conversation of one of the lottery type picks i don't think he'll be in combo for lottery anymore but first round pick i think he could if he plays well and you know i don't know what his game is going to translate to be in the nba he might just be like a volume scorer who you know six man off the bench mm-hmm. but i mean he he had a good game what was that last week for what is it, Eastern Michigan or against who? Who they play? Uh, they played Montclair State. Helen Keller School of the Blind. Yeah. So, but he's got talent. He's got the talent. It's just, you know, molding that talent. And the Kevin Durant comparisons were lazy. Like he's never gonna be that type of player. So, you just gotta hope that he can kind of find a role. 
That's it. I don't know how much uh how much uh stock I'm buying from Imani Bates these days. Um I'm I don't, I'm being honest, but especially with the situation, I you know, I have my question, I have my questions about him, you know, just in terms of making guys better around him, you know what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. might be a guy, like he might be a microwave guy in the NBA, like you're saying, you know what I'm saying? Like a microwave guy, come off the bench, um, be be effective, get your buckets, Bones Highland type, but taller and more athletic. Um, but I have my questions about him defensively. I have my questions about him in terms of making guys better. So I, I don't think he's a lottery pick because of those reasons. I think basketball is just way too too advanced now where we are with skill. Um, and guys who do everything now, right? The the get a bucket guys are phasing out. So I think because of where we're headed as a game overall, I think a guy like Imani Bates suffers suffers because of that. Um, you know what I'm saying? But again, rooting for him. Hope he does well. He's playing against another with another Jersey kid, Noah Farrakhan, who's who's playing good ball. Some guys would like to have me believe he's gonna go to the NBA too. Uh, but again, I'm you don't there. you don't believe you don't believe Noah's an NBA player. I don't think he's an NBA guy. That's that's me. Um, but that's me. I don't think he's an NBA guy. Not with what we see from point guards now. Uh, is he? Is he? Is he at least is he overseas playing? Yeah, for sure. He's a pro. He's a pro. He's a pro. I I just don't think he's an NBA guy. You know, I think where we are basketball. You watch these point guards, even guys who don't get drafted anymore. Yo, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, the the the, the point guard from uh, UNC. The uh, what's his name? RJ. What's his last? Uh, uh, RJ. I can't remember his last. Why am I forgetting his last name? Why is it blanking on me right now? R- R- D- RJ Davis. RJ Davis. He's. He, I think he's really good, and I don't think he's gonna get drafted. You know, it, it's crazy. He's gonna be a second round pick. Miles Powell was really good, and he didn't get drafted. It, the, the tweeners, the guys who are tweeners, the guys who are are twos, but they played. They played a one. The guys who score better than they pass. You have to be careful with them. That's where that's where the way, the way this thing trends now. It's very hard. If you're not making people on the court better, if you're not setting good screens, if you're not great defensively, if you're not uh, a great passer and, and pass with anticipation, throwing guys open on the court because it's not just a football term. It's really hard to get drafted, especially when you're a smaller guard. And I don't. I think Noah is a talent. He's very athletic. He can he can score, but. I don't, I don't see him being an NBA guy for the reasons I just named. Because I don't think he does other things well. I don't think he's a great table setter for guys around him. and doesn't elevate the guys around him in the way that other point guard prospects around the country will do. Dariq Whitehead's going to do that at Duke. And I know he's, a play, he's playing a better player, granted. So it's a little bit easier. But Dariq Whitehead would do that anywhere. Dariq, Dariq Whitehead would, would, would do that at Helen Keller School of the Blind. He would make those people. He'd make them better, too. So... You, you, you got it's, it's levels to this point guard play we're talking about. We're talking about the NBA, and I think that we have to we have to be very honest about the way we critique these players. If you post this Noah Farrakhan clip, people are gonna be on my ass. I don't know how it goes, but because I know he gets a lot of love in Jersey, but I'm just being very honest. Like I'm, I'm just being. I don't see him being an NBA guy, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with that at all. Before we close out, my man Russ, my man Russ. He might have just he if he's playing like this and not even so much because we know this is not going to be 20 games straight where Russ is playing like this. The shots not going to be falling all the time like this. But if he's playing with this type of energy, 
He's playing like this, being a good teammate. There's no complaints. He's actually buying into just playing whatever role is needed. Russ has saved his career. Russ will play for another five, six years if he's playing like this in regards of I'm playing what's needed to win. And shout out to Darnell. Frank Vogel was trying all last year to get this done. And Russ told him to go kick rocks and suck his big toe. I don't know what it is about Darvin him and that knot on his head, but he was able to get Russ to buy in and be off the bench. So shout out to Darvin him. <laughs> it's a he different. I don't know if it's because he's a brother. I don't know, but Darvin him, he talked some sense to Russ, and I appreciate his conference too. That man said, "Yeah, I've talked to Russ, and I told him it don't matter who start, which I'm pretty sure has been said plenty of times. It doesn't matter who start, who matter who finishes the game." Darvinham goes, hey, guys, by the way, I'm not good with memory, but did Russ finish the game? He was like, all right, then. Russ is going to be fine. He played 32 minutes. <laughs> shout out to Darvinham. Shout out to Russ. There's no championship or nothing like that coming, but I appreciate this, and I love this for Russ. For Russ, he's playing extremely well. He is. Extremely well. and he is. And this is a lesson to all the players that are free agents that's not getting back in the league currently. This is a lesson for all of players coming in. Play your role, man. It don't matter how big and how great you are. At some point, everybody doesn't get to be LeBron. Everybody doesn't get to be Mike. Everybody doesn't get to be Kobe. At some point, your skills, your role, your team diminishes. If you want to keep playing, you play your role. If you don't, that's fine. Honor the gift. Go sell clothes. But it seems like he's honoring his gift and coming off the bench. Yeah, I know the vibe. You stay ready. You ain't got to get ready. Hey, Russ was staying ready. If you get ready, bench vibe, ENT, we out. Peace. Peace.